I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This is Jim Rats and Joints with Javon Shepard, Andy Routens, and Dan Gladman. Jim Rats and Joints is brought to you by Henderson's Brewery. The best beer is the beer you love. For producer Dan Wong and myself, Jeff Cole, let's rack it up, Danny G. Okay, his name is Andy Routens. The other guy's name is Javon Shepard. I'm Dan Gladman, and we are back for episode six of Jim Rats and Joints. We are deep into the NBA playoffs yes. now, and so many of the storylines are have have really presented themselves in the in the first round, even. And certainly into the second round. We're going to start uh, this podcast by talking about um, a memorable series, the Denver-Utah series. And I, I, I feel like at the end of Game 7, Andy, mm-hmm. it was uh, somebody, I can't even remember who it was. All the It must have been Stan Van Gundy. The first six games were shootouts. Game seven is 80 to 78. That was a war. Yeah. It, it was a war. And you heard during the game uh, the announcers kind of suggesting some of these guys are tired. Uh-huh. I mean, that it, it was a war. It was yeah. a battle of attrition. And then at the, at the end, it looked like Denver had it, but then they missed a, Utah turned it over. Denver had a fast break. They chose to go for the basket but mm-hmm. missed the layup, mm-hmm. giving Utah and Mike Conley a chance to win it with a mm-hmm. three at the end. Is Denver lucky to come out of this series? Definitely. Um, and I don't know if you saw it. Donovan Mitchell was wide open uh, on the wing, too. So it was like a, a, you know. Was there enough time? I don't know if there was enough time. But if Conley saw him early enough, I think he would have been set up for a good look. Um, you know, I like the aggressiveness to go for it. But at the same time, you've got to be smart. And I think that's a, a learning experience uh, for Jamal Murray. Um, but, you know, this game was down to the wire. And I think what the difference was, was I heard, uh, I heard, uh, Jokic say after the game in his post-game interview that Mike Malone told him, and he stressed, you know, just go out there and play basketball. Just go out there and have fun. You've gotten to this point. You've worked hard to battle back. And I think that's what the difference was. Uh, you know, Utah got tight. They lost in the first round last year. Mm-hmm. You know, as you know, they had some discrepancies post-coronavirus. Um, and, you know, all those things tend to come up and resurface in times Rona. of – Yeah, the Rona. The Rona. <laughs> the Rona. <laughs> the Rona but But, but yeah. they, they – um, they were up 3-1 in the series. And this is a team that I think two years ago mm-hmm. beat uh, Oklahoma City in the first round. Mm. I mean, they, they, that's when Donovan Mitchell first kind of came mm-hmm. to uh, to notoriety. So to me, this is actually an experienced team. Conley as well. Well, they lost last year to Houston first round, correct? I believe it was first round. Yeah. I believe it was yeah, first round. Yeah, but they yeah. had won a couple they have, years ago. They have, yeah. Like, just, to, just to tag along to what you asked, AR. Mm-hmm. Um, did they did they get away with? Did they were they lucky by winning coming away with this one? But they came back three one. They did right. They so did. I don't think I think the basketball gods were on their side, and and you know Utah pissed us away. Mm-hmm. Utah pissed us away, and I think you know this is this is probably the best series in in the playoffs so far, and probably mm-hmm. will go down as 
historically one of the, one one of the better series, mm-hmm. especially considering the fact that these two teams are pretty evenly matched. Yeah, you have I would say you so. know D Mitchell and Rudy Gobert, and then mm-hmm. on the flip side you have um, Murray and, and Jokic. Jokic. Yep. Yeah, so. You know, for me, this this was definitely the best series, and they earned it, right? You guys seen? We'll, we'll probably touch on Jamal Murray a bit later. They stepped up, and it just boiled down to who wanted it more. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you can attest it. I can attest to this as well. Coach Mike Malone, like he's a great he's coach. A glue, yeah, yeah, he's the glue yeah. of that team for sure. He's, he's and he's a players' coach, so yeah. I'm just really happy to see, um, you know, things go in their favor. And again, you know, being down three one, coming back. Go ahead. Yeah, for sure. There, there was factions, uh, factions in that team, right? When mm-hmm. uh, when this all went down, mm-hmm. and I think that. Coach Malone does such a good job of cultivating an atmosphere of team and and knowing what to do in situations when you're down, how to fight back, being well prepared. As you know, he's one of those guys with the acronyms, right? KYP, know your personnel. He's got thousands of those. So he has those guys alert. He has those guys together. The chemistry is right. And I think that speaks volumes about where those two teams were in that game seven. And I think that, you know, the chemistry makes a huge deal. For sure. And like we spoke about that, especially, you know what I liked about this, this whole, the whole playoff series, not just these teams, these two teams specifically, but we're seeing pure basketball. Oh, right yeah. Now. There's oh, no, yeah. No distractions. You know, no distractions, no jewelry, no mm-hmm. popping bottles. Mm-hmm. Guys are just, you know, playing the same gym. They're going to see me. It's, it's almost like it's a AU, AU all it is. over again. It is. So just to see the purity of the game right now and, and guys able to step it up. We're seeing some of the best performances we've seen in mm-hmm. playoff. Um, I guess we're going to say that from year to year. There's always going to be some great performances. For sure. But just to see the purity of the game right now. We, we've seen the Nuggets really, I don't want to say come out of nowhere these last two, three years, but nobody could have foreseen that Murray would be this good. I think we all knew this was going to be a good she, NBA player, yeah. but this is a guy yeah. averaging 40 a night in the playoffs and, and, and clearly establishing himself as one of the best players in the league, mm-hmm. even more so Jokic. Um you guys, you guys know Coach Michael Malone well. You know, I kind of knew his dad a little bit more. He was the original coach of the Toronto Raptors, mm-hmm. Brendan Malone. Brendan, yeah. But, but uh, Mike Malone um, has worked with you guys and as, as an assistant coach. Y- y- you mentioned the acronyms, mm-hmm. and there's, it's clear there's a fire there. Mm-hmm. Can you really put your, your finger on what it is in terms of how he gets the players to perform on the court? And maybe he's made these guys better than they might have anticipated being when they came into the league. I think, you know, just from what I can remember, I always felt like Coach Malone had, he was just an extension of us on the court and vice versa. Mm-hmm. Like I felt with every play, I had the confidence. I felt like he was behind me. Like he was I was supporting me. literally going to say that. Yeah. Like it's the fact that he cares about you more than a basketball player. You good know? or bad. Good or bad. I'm rocking with you guys. I'm yes. gonna, we're going to win together. And the other part to that was when we lost, we lost together. Mm-hmm. So then when we moved forward the, the following day, yep. we also got better together. Yeah. And when we stepped back on that court, mm-hmm. you know, we were we, we went to war together. So it was just that, that feeling of solidarity and camaraderie. Mm-hmm. You know, we've been in situations where you get into a locker room at halftime and the coach is bitching at you guys, the players, you this, you right, that. Right, right. No, he's a, a we guy. Everything was we. Yeah, right? absolutely. Wee. Yeah. And then when it was time to get on that court, like, mm-hmm. he was ready. He's jumping up and down. His energy fighting. is yeah. unmatched as a yeah, coach. For sure. I mean, he's, he's into every practice, every scenario. He's breaking things down at a, an extremely high level, and that gets you juiced up. That gets you, you know, in the in the moment. That gets you wanting to play for him, for your teammates. There's not enough you can say about Coach Malone. That he's a huge difference and maker. We're talking about that shit, and just those memories. It feels like it's just yes. Yeah. I'm, still, I'm getting like yeah, yeah. right now. I'm thinking about <laughs> yeah. it because he went to he went to war with us. Yeah. He went to war with us, and then after. And you remember our our, our big win? Uh, uh, what was it? it? Was against Uruguay. Yep. And. 
No, it might not have been. Um, <laughs> too many wins. It, we were in Puerto Rico, and we finally qualified for the Worlds. He was the first one on top of on top of Everybody, all of us during the celebration. Like a player, like yeah. he's, a, he's a real. Player and there's a photo of it. If we can get that out there at I some point, he, he, he was flying on though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he had like a 40 inch vert, like yeah. celebrating. Yeah, yeah. I'm like Malone, you're not even. But no, like he really rocked with his guys and yes. he fights with them, and he's. You know, I, I seen uh, some headlines earlier in the week that if they didn't get through um, this series, he would be on the hot seat. And I'm like, that's uh, that's, that's bullshit because yeah, you guys don't know the type of person you have. That's the character guy, and like yeah. how much he's willing to fight for his team and and, and his players. Well, so. the position he's put him in the last couple of years too. It's I mean, it's no coincidence that they are where they're at right now. Mm-hmm. So it, it's interesting to hear that from you guys. I mean, I'm I'm not surprised to hear this about Mike Malone. Um, and, Maybe I'm surprised that more coaches aren't like that. And, and, and I, I think what you're saying could be applied to Doc Rivers, mm. Nick Nurse. Yes. Um, I don't see Brad Stevens necessarily as an emotional guy like that, but I can see him, um, you know, relating to the players maybe in ways that we haven't seen traditionally over the years. Should, Hold is on. this not common sense, what you're explaining? I don't even want to cut you off there, but... We've had, and Coach Malone, if he hears, he's probably going to kill me, but we've had some wild nights with Malone, too. Oh, yeah. He's been, t- <laughs> he's been turned up with us. Hey, he's been turned up with us. That's all part of, you know, showing that you're there no matter what, right? So, you know, if if, uh, if you guys can trust you anywhere, I think that, that makes a world of difference. But you look at a guy like Jim Boylan in Chicago, which we might allude to later, and, you know, players can't vibe with a, a militant-style right. coach. Right. And and that show with the record, you know, Zach Levine wanted to get out of there, and he's your guy yeah. in Chicago, and he's a, a superstar in the making, if not already. And you you have to cater to guys like that. And if you have you know your set of values and ideals that don't vibe with the players, and you don't even try to get behind them or understand them, then it's gonna you're bound to bump heads at some point. And Coach Malone does a fantastic job of of walking that line. I think I might even be thinking a little too deep here, or philo- philosophical, or whatever. But you know, these players are emotional beings too right? for sure so when you want when you have a coach that's gonna motherfuck you and then turn around and then hug you and say like i love you mm-hmm. and like mm-hmm. like you are a motherfucker tonight mm-hmm. that's the kind of like that's a father figure that's a mentor that's a guy that's gonna rock with you that's for somebody sure. that's in your corner yeah. so as opposed like, to guy who guy who cusses you out yeah. and then if you have a good game you know give you a pat on the butt yeah like so you you it's evoke it's so much more emotion, yes. so much more passion out of your players it's yeah. more than just talent at that point mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's like art imitates life. Basketball <laughs> imitates life. It, to me, the, these are some of the principles of leadership. You know, they've they've been espoused over the years and the decades, but it it seems like it's a certain kind of individual that that can display it and can help people to get better by doing it. It's, it's great to hear that you guys have had these experiences with Coach Malone, and I think he is safe now with Denver, at least for next year, even though they're going to have quite a series. It's the Clippers they're, they're playing next, I believe. So, you know, Jamal Murray, meet Kawhi Leonard. That, that's going to be quite something. Now, speaking of Jamal, I'm really hearkening to some of the, the Steve Nash, Phoenix Suns playoff performances because there really has not been a Canadian who, who has been brought it to this level you know when we spoke last week i kind of jokingly said top three canadian players of all time nash murray and andy routens yeah. <laughs> and i i started to see a lot of chatter on twitter in the week um about 
Murray the second best, and he's is he he's already the best. You know, Nash didn't score fifty in a playoff game, mm-hmm. whatever. Um, I like to look ahead to these kinds of things. What would it take? What could Jamal Murray do in say the next five to ten years that would catapult him into being the best Canadian basketball player of all time? I think for one, like right now, everybody's emotionally on a high with Jamal. Right, mm-hmm. he's, he's actually he's playing exceptionally well, and he's he's shown improved that over the course of his. He's actually gotten better, you know, with every year he's been in the league. Mm-hmm. So and now he's actually showing like I have some star power. I'm a, you know I'm a su- I can be a superstar. Yeah, he's not league. just trending for the playoffs. Exactly. Yeah. But I think the only thing, the difference maker for him would be. You know, Steve, guys like Steve Nash were able to do that consistently, and I think that's going to be the difference maker okay. for... Steve had four years of 50-40-90. Mm-hmm. For those who don't know what that is, that's 50% from two-point line, mm-hmm. or two, uh, inside the three-point line, yeah. And uh, 40% from the three-point line and 90% from the free-throw line. Yeah, that's a bad boy. Four times, and to do that's an elite level of shooting. I think I know someone who did that in Europe at least one year. Yeah, I know a guy. I, I know a guy who... He's got who a great fucking beard. <laughs> <laughs> Best beard. Best, Best looking beard. He's got a good radio voice. Any, uh, anybody want a, uh, a beard-sponsored product, just let us know. I got you. But yeah, it's uh, to do that four times takes an incredible amount of concentration, practice, um, and not to mention he's got two MVPs under his belt. So mm. Jamal's going to have to at least get two MVPs yeah. and or a ring to be in that conversation. But I'm a huge Jamal Murray fan. I love how coachable he is. I love what kind of teammate he is. You know, he's high-fiving guys after every play, you know, talking them up. Um, but what, what Steve did in his time in the NBA was was inconceivable. And can't, you know, he can surpass. I, I still believe he can He can surpass. Like his, yeah, he's, he's got the, the time. He's got the he time. He has time, and Steve, Steve has set the bar. For sure. And the one thing with, with Jamal is that he's – and I, I, there's a story I keep telling over and over when people bring up Jamal – but also, I've seen him perform like this when he had the, I think it was the Pan Am Games mm-hmm. against the U.S., Canada versus the U.S. And at that time, he was fresh out of, he wasn't even, he was still in high school at that time. He okay. was playing against, we're playing He was against, on his way to Kentucky. On his way to Kentucky. I think I remember that's when he first made noise. Grown yeah. men. And yeah. it was, you know, similar to the performance we see. I don't remember the exact numbers, but he single handedly won that game against the U.S., playing against grown ass men. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, so when the lights are on, he turns it, like he turns it on. Oh, he's got another level. And then I seen. You know, again, I told I told a story a couple of weeks ago. Like his his focus is something different. When he was just a I don't know what he was, maybe a sophomore in high school, he was on at an unofficial visit at Michigan, and he came in and you know, coach asked me to talk to him. I was I was just there visiting. We we're watching Nick Stauskas win the Big Ten title at that time. Shout out to Nick. Um, we you know I chopped it up for with him for a minute. You know, we we're supposed to stay in contact, but he didn't have a phone. He didn't have an Instagram. He didn't have any form of social media. Mm-hmm. We're talking about it. You know, a 15, 16 year old kid. Which is the culture. Social media yeah. culture. Mm-hmm. And, he, and he was clear, like, no, I'm just focused on getting to the NBA and just working on the best. At that point, he, he had, was a real timid, timid kid. He had 36 and 11. Against grown men. Against, against Team USA. Well, it, it, USA. I think the USA team that year it was, it was full, college complete. players. Yeah. It was, it was college players, but those yeah. were, it wasn't, no, it wasn't. Because I remember Bobby Brown was on that team. Oh, you're right. Ryan Hollett. Like, those were some high right. My prerogative. Bobby right. Brown. Bobby Brown. Yeah. It's my prerogative. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm not too young for that one. Okay. <laughs> yeah, those were some, you know, elite EuroLeague level players in Europe. And, and you know, guys have had some experience in the NBA. So, you know, he really, he showed out there. And then to, to finish that, he had, yeah, he said he didn't have a phone number. He didn't have no social media, but he had an email. And that's all he uses because he's just focused on getting to his For all goal. business inquiries. Yeah, for all. <laughs> Jamal Murray's <laughs> right. email. 
You know who uh, produced that game? The man right here. Yeah, you're talking to the him. man Dude, right here. That was the Pan Am that Games right medal here. round. I remember it well. And actually, there is an amazing link. Uh, I guess it's on YouTube. Uh, if you if you search Jamal Murray Team Canada versus USA or 2015 Pan Am Games, it's basically an eight or ten minute highlight pack of how he took over the game mm, bro, fourth you, quarter and overtime and just dominated. You've been doing I, this I, production thing for a minute. Yeah. Mm. Oh, yeah. You've been, oh, yeah. You've been top, I've seen some things. We've got to do a top dog. We've got to do a deep dive PG top episode well, of the, most memorable moments because you've had to okay. seen some, yeah. some wild and, and I like incredible it. And we'll, we'll share the link on uh, our Twitter page. There so you go. Listen okay. to that. Come look for it. Yes. Okay, there we go. All that's It's all happening. Twitter page, Instagram. Um the reason I brought up TV production, other than to take a little moment for myself, <laughs> there was one thing on uh, the broadcast of that Game 7, Denver, Utah, that in the back of my mind, I knew it was there, but I, had, I didn't really think of it until they showed it to me. And it was Jamal Murray at Kentucky playing against Donovan Mitchell at Louisville. At Louisville. Wow. So... It, it just these, these are the kinds of things in basketball that just blow my mind, right? Mm-hmm. How everything that's old is new again. Mm-hmm. And obviously they had some run-ins. Kentucky and Louisville are, if not probably the best college rivalry is Carolina Duke. Used to be Georgetown, Syracuse. Syracuse. But Louisville-Kentucky is a death match oh, yeah. every year. Yeah. They hate each other like like there's like there's nothing. So Jamal Murray and Donovan Mitchell go all the way back to uni- university days. I guess that's 2016, 2017 already. Mm-hmm. I, I guess I want to throw the question to you: Is there is there a player like that who you played against in college, a, an opponent who maybe you had a special connection with, mm-hmm. and you went toe to toe against them at some point in the pros? You know, for me, it would be Lou Will. Lou Will. And it wasn't really? in college that we played, but it was in, it was at the Nike Hoop Summit. We were in high school. Okay. And I always remember, I was like, yeah, this is my, I'm on now. Because we're <laughs> playing against, yeah. you know, the, the top, all the McDonald's All-American guys. And I remember that game, I started out hot. And I, I was a little <laughs> bigger like, than, than most of our peers at yeah, that time. Yeah, was a specimen. And I remember, I, I remember Lou Will, like, all these guys, you know, they're going first round. And I remember Lou Wills tur- turned to Monte Ellis and was like, no, nah, you guard him. That motherfucker fast. <laughs> <laughs> that, motherfucker, that motherfucker fast. And he's strong. Monte- oh, you guard him. And th- then I remember he's like, nah, you, y'all know I don't play no D. So. <laughs> <laughs> but lo and behold, this is Lou oh, Will. Like, he's still kicking, still yeah. doing it right now. Yeah, yeah. Shout out to Lou Will, man. I remember. Okay, so I played against Lou Will uh, when I was with the City Rocks in AAU. And they play for the, he played for the Georgia Stars. Uh-huh. The entire team, they beat you before you even <laughs> laced them up. Their entire team warmed up by dunking from the free throw line. Every single one of them. Wow. Not one of them couldn't yeah. dunk from the free throw line. <laughs> Imagine seeing that before you lace them up. You're, it's over. <laughs> it's over. You're done. But, yeah, I don't, I don't really have any of those that are off the top of my mind. But I, I did get the chance to go back and play professionally with Wes Johnson this past year. My college teammate at Syracuse. And – just to have that kind of camaraderie and compete with him, I'm sure, is the same as, as competing against somebody because you're, you're, you're going to war and you're doing something you love with somebody you really care about. And, and that's a special thing, too. And it was cool to see Wes in Europe after his time in the league. And uh, it was just a great experience all around. I, I couldn't help but notice in the, the TBT, the basketball tournament, yeah. which really was probably the first thing that came back uh-huh. this summer. 
And is it Bayheim's Battalion? Bayheim's Army. Bayheim's Army, yeah. Sorry, and Kevin Belby. I know you tried to get me to play for the last five years, but it's yeah, not going to happen. Yeah, I, I was. I've been, actually been meaning to ask you yeah. for for weeks yeah. why, if you had been invited, if that was something that would, would ever interest you. And mm-hmm. I guess Dievendorf is kind of the, Eric the main Dievendorf guy. Eric Dievendorf is one of my favorite people in the world. He's my guy. He works. He's got a relentless work ethic. He's back in Syracuse now doing some coaching and individual skill work. Um, he can still play. Anybody out there in Europe that needs a, a scoring right. guard, sign him up because he can still hoop. Um, the thing that turned me off about playing for the TBT was the time commitment. They wanted to do, you know, a training camp. You know, they wanted to have specific wow. days of, you know, time spent preparing and that. Oh, that's, that's too on top of that, line. being back in Syracuse, so it was a, <laughs> a major turnoff. But um, I think what Kevin's done for that program uh, is is phenomenal the guys want to go back and compete and i think it's a great tournament overall because you get to see some of the guys who you forget about really who go overseas and they come back here and they're on this you know world stage now being on espn it's a great uh thing for guys to you know kind of uh uh, get them back in the in the in the limelight one thing well two things that i really remember as a tv producer were the raptors game sevens um, against Philadelphia in 2019 mm-hmm. and against Brooklyn in 2014. And I remember my thoughts when I got out of bed in the morning. I remember thinking to myself, treat this like any other day, do your normal routine, live, pretend it's pretend it's any other game. Don't hit the wrong and, switch. And, <laughs> and I was the producer of the game. Yeah. I mean, the, the what's happening on the court has ab- literally nothing to do with me, mm-hmm. but yet I felt it. Mm-hmm. Fans feel it. I don't know if you guys have ever played in a game seven, but I know you've played in a game where you either win or your season's over. Mm-hmm. What What is the feeling of that, like starting that day before you even leave home or the hotel and go to the game? For me, it's tough because I have a hard time controlling my mind, right? Okay. Like I'll wake up and I... The one thing is I, I get butterflies when yeah. I, when it's a big game. Or yeah. Even if it's not a big game, but, but when I have butterflies, I know yeah. I'm going to play well. Yeah, yeah. So subconsciously, I get calmer. You almost get I, nervous if you don't get butterflies ex- in a weird way. Boy, you yes. said it. Yeah. But I start to envision every play of that game. And for some reason, always game sevens, I've never envisioned blowing out the other team. So you kind of like blacked out for a minute. I always envision making the, the last second shot. Okay. And then I feel like... It's, it's going to sound so crazy, but I, I always feel like my feet floating like I'm on Aladdin's carpet. Really? Floating off, yeah. Interesting. So yeah, I've never envisioned. Is your is your game day preparation the same? As earlier on in my career, mm-hmm. it was really meticulous, really Very specific, really specific. Yeah. But as I got older, I got away from that because, you know, if you miss the, you know, if your socks isn't the right way, it would throw you off. And yeah, you, I used to be like that too. To a game, yes. You'd attribute it to that. Yeah. Now it's like. No, I'll just toss it up as a goal. Yeah. And then you just like, whatever happens, happens. That's, yeah. You play a bit more free. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But when when I had too much routine, it's like, okay, I didn't get my, my form shooting in. I'm yeah. not going to shoot well. Today. You kind of beat yourself before you play the game. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Um, f- so in my mind, okay, you're preparing for this moment as a basketball player all your life. You know, game seven is what it's about. So it, it's kind of hard not to feel the weight of that moment. But what I took solace in is, is, is in our approach. So it'd be in the shoot around. It'd be in the film session. You know, to me, I looked at it. I know this is a poor analogy because it's not even close, but I looked at it as going to war with my brothers. Yeah. And the better you are prepared for war, the more you can just go out there and be in a flow state. So 
I looked at it as, okay, you know, we're getting to know this team's specific things. We're going to drill it into our minds so it's second nature. So we don't have to worry about anything but going out and playing basketball. And I think that that's the mind frame that Denver was in in their game seven. Because they were so well prepared that they just went out there and Mikey Moe said, just go play basketball. And that's what they did. And they came out with the W. Were you a big film guy? I'm not. I'm not a big film guy. I am more of a, a, a practice preparation type of guy. And um, I used to be super specific like you. I used mm-hmm. to, I, to, I, to this day, I mean, you know, pending retirement or not, I'll have the same <laughs> exact meal at the same exact time. One hour before every game, I'll have pasta and chicken. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'll, I'll wear... I'll wear things. I used to wear the same exact outfit. I used to. <laughs> same fit. You know, Man, same socks, same game day tights. socks, I used everything. I same tights yes. from the practice before. And you know and what? I if them. I rolled my ankle or if I didn't shoot well, those were done. <laughs> done. But you get to a point, like you said, in, in your career where you become comfortable with your body of work. Mm-hmm. And you know that there's there's so many variables that you can't control. And it just becomes about the game. So so there's little things. You can have a routine, but as far as being superstitious, like it, it's it's something that doesn't behoove you as a player. Yeah. So. It's, yeah. But yeah, going back to the main point, you do feel it, but there are ways to compartmentalize it. And, and I think that the greats understand that basketball is their muse and there's more to life out there, and that's why they can perform at the highest level. The highest level. Yeah. And you, you, you just get a bit more experience and smarter. Mm-hmm. For me, I thought I was cheating the game as I started to get older at the tail end of my career. Because I would watch more film on guys, like defensively, mm-hmm. I'd watch more film on guys' defensive tendencies. Okay. So I'd pick up two or three things that they did well, and I just played them for that every yeah. game. Yeah, yeah, And There's no doubt that film makes a world of difference. But I wasn't I wasn't become a, a great defender. Right. But I figured I said to myself, if I can stop these two, three things, or just play that, mm-hmm. I'm going to look like a good defender. Yeah, for sure. And then, you know, just beat the coach, you know, beat it into his head, yeah. couple steals. Get out and run, and, and it worked. I became, I ended up becoming a better defender for sure. You know, defending positions one through mm-hmm. one through four. So it's yeah. It, it, as you get older, you just get you start to work smarter, smarter yeah, and and then balance it out with yeah. your effort. and you ate Fruit Loops every before yeah. every. <laughs> <laughs> no, you know, I used to be like Ar with the you know pasta and chicken, but then I started to feel like okay, I was sleeping, I felt lethargic. Yeah, but then I st- I went to like. I had I was in Italy, so I went on this little whole health <laughs> uh-huh. trip. I used to have salmon and, and um, spinach. Midway through the game, I was gassed. Really, I couldn't, I couldn't get through. Your body couldn't process it, huh? No, yeah. I needed. I needed a so bit more. Like I, I wouldn't have changed heavier. it heavier. Yeah, I wouldn't have changed it if I didn't have time in OKC. Now I went to training camp with OKC. I think it was 2011, 2012, um, and they were meticulous in their their uh, sports science. So you mm. show up every day with an iPad. How do you feel today? One through ten. What did you eat last night? Yada yada. Uh, how much sleep did you get? And then they based the practice off this specific thing. Not not only that, they individualized it per player to see when you would be most efficient and when you should eat. So my my time frame because my metabolism so was so fast was an hour before the game. Bro, I still remember like you would eat yeah. sandwiches when we're on the road yeah. right before yeah, yeah. we played. Yeah, and I probably burned it off before the game started. But it's yeah. crazy that so much goes into it because. Our body types are different. For right? sure. And I'm looking at you like, yeah. Eating <laughs> yeah, yeah, I remember. <laughs> like, like, what are you doing? And I can't, my body wouldn't be able to process that. I got to yeah. eat, you know, an hour and a half before, yeah. get through my routine and, you know, let my, my muscles got to yeah. loosen up first and just warm up and play the game as opposed to, yeah. um, you, you, you got to be fueled. For well, sure. Well, I man. think this goes back to the, to the conversation we had a couple episodes ago about, you know, with the difference in eras of basketball and, and how efficient or how good they are. And mm-hmm. this is just one of the facets that 
would lead me to believe that those players would have really benefited from absolutely and i mean i i know of eras in in the toronto raptors Uh time where you know players would jump outside and have a cigarette at halftime wow. i mean that yeah. <laughs> that's a different era that, for sure ooh, keon clark wow 100%. used to be one of my favorites by the way yeah cuz he was an amazing player yeah. i heard stories about keon clark i heard there's him a lot play of stories about sober. keon clark yeah, well uh, i i think he had some jail time to be honest he did, with you he did that. yeah no yeah. He, he had a tough go after the nba but what a smooth player lefty oh yeah he, oh. if you look at uh, what was he 610 yeah. Whatever. Oh yeah. Maybe yeah. He, six. He's 11. one of those guys that just played. Yeah. Like you could tell. He was he like a Cliff Robinson. Rest in peace. Exactly. Same yep. type of guy. Yep. Yeah. You yep. remember? Was oh, it? Is it Alvin Robinson or Alvin? Yeah, Alvin Robinson. He was one of the one of the first guys, inaugural guys, bald, light skin. Is it not Alvin Williams? Alvin Robinson. Uh, we'll circle back. Yeah, Alvin yeah. Robertson Alvin played Robertson. for San Antonio Spurs. Yeah. Was on the Raptors opening day lineup. Life. Used to lead the league in steals every year. Exactly. Okay. This thing Great comes stat. around. You know, full circle. I'm, I had I played in Belgium t- a couple years ago, and his daughter happened to be my teammate, one of my closest teammates on the team, girlfriend or, or you know wife at the time. I was like, this shit really comes around Dude, full circle. You really have to watch what you do. World. It is it small, is. small world, world for sure. It is. I mean, here you know, here we are. I used to work with our producer Dan Wong when we were starting out at Sportsnet. I worked with your dad for twenty years. Mm-hmm. I watched you play. And here we are yes, in a sir. studio today talking about talking about ball. It, it, basketball is is incredible like that, and that kind of brings us full circle to the the Donovan Mitchell and the Jamal Murray mm-hmm. playing against each other in college. Mm-hmm. And you know how could they ever know in that moment that five years later they're playing against each other yeah. in a ga- at Game Seven? Uh, yeah. um, amazing. Um, well, we talked about Keon Clark a little bit. He was a great player. Yeah. We're going to get to the Raptors in a sec first. A shout-out to our sponsor, Henderson Brewery on Sterling Road in Toronto. Um, A fabulous place. Uh, The best beer is the beer you love. We love the food truck, uh, the Henderson UPA. It's it's terrific beer. My friend Aiden Wiener, one of the owners there, a terrific guy. Also, I want to make a shout-out to uh, another podcast out there in the world. It's called Alt Pop Repeat. Uh, Two amazing hosts, Chrissy and Marie. Uh, check that out if you're into music and uh, film and literature and really the counterculture. Okay, on to the second round where the Toronto Raptors and the Boston Celtics, um, after the protest, uh, got off to um, an early start con- considering that some of the Western rounds aren't even done yet. Um Boston's won the first two games, and they're up 2-0. Now, Toronto's been in this position before. They were there last year, um, down 2-0 to Milwaukee in the East Finals. I I wouldn't recommend to any team that you make a habit out of falling (laughs) down 2-0 in in any playoff series. superstitious, you know? But but there there is a difference this year, obviously. It's different teams. It's a different time. But the Boston... Boston Celtics compared to the Bucks of last year, you know, they don't have Giannis Antetokounmpo, mm-hmm. but they got Jason Tatum. They got Jalen Brown. They got Kemba Walker. That's going up against Toronto's top three, which really has to be considered Kyle Lowry, Fred Van Vliet, and Pascal Siakam. Mm-hmm. Um, champions and incredible in the regular season. But I, I, I think the question right now is, does Boston's top line, those three guys... Are they better than Toronto's top three? Right now, yeah, I think they are. I think that they're going to turn it around, though. I fully believe 
in the capabilities that Toronto has. But Boston's just playing like they want it more. Okay, so Toronto was 3 of 16 and 3 of 19, respectively, from three-point land. And that's just not going to get it done. We all know they've had their woes in the playoffs with shooting before, especially K-Lo. But he turned it around. And... Does that not have something to do with how they're being guarded by this team, though? Okay, you know, so don't they were shooting so, great against Brooklyn. Yes, so they only had 16 fast break points, which is a huge facet of the Raptors game. They like to get out, open court. Uh, they have systems you know, for fast breaking. Um, and their half-court defense has been absolutely stellar, Boston's, that is. And I think they're reminding me a little bit of Toronto's right now. They're kind of giving them a taste of their own medicine. And, you know, Toronto's got some weaknesses in the half-court offense. But I think that if Pascal gets out of his own head – I think if he gets out of his own way and he just starts playing like like the absolute animal that he was last year, I think that he can get out of this rut and he can it can pull us up. But see, and it's, the, it's also the, it's also the Kawhi factor. You don't really have a go to guy right now. Well, that, and that's it. I kind of disagree with you on that. I don't. I just don't think Pascal is ready for this moment. And I think you know this series is one because Boston has the best players on the on the court right now, mm-hmm. the best trio, mm-hmm. whereas Raptors. You know, even though the, you know they're coming off a championship season, mm-hmm. they're kind of inexperienced in a sense because you have Pascal, who's now supposed to be in a, in a number one role, mm-hmm. and then you have Fred Van Fleet, who's you know right now he he's their second guy. He's the scoring, he's point the scoring guard guy. He's the team. Yeah. He, they're both in a position that they've never been in before. Let's mm-hmm. say, let's put it that way. Whereas Boston's you know three headed snake or three headed monster rather is they've all been in that role before, so they're a bit more seasoned for. Um, the positions that they're in. And, and they're showing it, right? The experience, the grit, the toughness. And Toronto just doesn't have a star. Right now, they don't have a star, and there's only so much you can expect from Kyle Lowry. Like, he's been the catalyst for this team for so long. But mm-hmm. again, he's he's still limited. He's limited in a sense. I think the expectation that people have put on Pascal are, are slightly unfair because he got that big contract. We're expecting him to be, you know, a Kawhi-level talent or a superstar-level talent. If you compare... Um, Pascal to the other the other superstars, the performance that they've been at during this this bubble playoffs, he hasn't compared to that. Do, here's know. a question: Do you think Pascal has sees himself as a superstar, or do you think that he's struggling with the expectations to be a superstar? I don't think he sees himself as it yet. I don't think he understands it yet. And then last year was a lot easier for him because he was at times a third, fourth option. Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. When Kawhi, when 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 um, Kyle are demanding attention and double teams and triple teams, mm-hmm. um, and then a guy like Danny Green that can stretch the floor, Pascal could rely on his natural ability and just be athletic, right. roam and get into right. the you know get into the, the little gaps and just make athletic mm-hmm. plays. Because um, you see those same post ups that that Pascal is getting now, where he's getting drawing double attention. Double. Kawhi would break through those exactly. and make a play. So, yeah, he's a guy who's giving it up and more I, or less. I'll be quite frank with you. I don't mm-hmm. see him as a as a number as your go to guy. I think mm-hmm. he'll actually and be a yet, guy that will go down as overpaid and and was gonna, he's going to take a lot of criticism over the yeah. next two three years see, if the team does not. See, I I think you're taking it one step too far. You know, I'm aggressive. To, <laughs> I'm aggressive. <laughs> I'm aggressive. <laughs> to, ex- to expect Pascal Siakam to be on. I, I had this this. What discussion. is it? It's his fourth year in the league now. Yeah, I think it is fourth. Fourth year. I, I've, but I don't know if that's... He, obviously, he improves year by year. There's no doubt about that. But I feel like I had this discussion with people two years ago about DeMar DeRozan, mm-hmm. which is this is a wonderful basketball player, a great basketball player, a top 15 or 20 in the world, an all-star, mm-hmm. could be an Olympian. But to to expect that these guys are on the level 
with Kawhi Leonard, with LeBron James, with Jamal Murray, mm-hmm. and as we're seeing now, with Jason Tatum. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Tatum has been heralded as a top player. I think he was the second or third pick in the draft that year. I mean, Jay, this is what we knew Jason Tatum would be. Pascal has already surpassed any expectations when he first came into the league. And sometimes it's okay to be a guy who's who's the number two. You're mm-hmm. still incredibly valuable, and he was awesome during the regular season. And I do agree with you, Andy, that he is going to get it together I, in this I, series. I firmly believe that. But, but when to he... expect that he can be the guy to lead you by himself, put it, put him his team mm-hmm. his team on your back like Kawhi Leonard mm-hmm. did last year like we've seen for decades from these amazing players I think that it's asking a bit too much here's, here's, here's an interesting stat last year Kawhi had 31.4 points per game in the playoffs 5.1 points per game in clutch situations and that's exactly what they're missing is a go-to guy especially down the, down the yeah. stretch yeah and I don't think Pascal's ready to be that guy but I'm, I think he can be that guy over time I mean, I all they, got, in, all they got in game two in game two in the fourth quarter was some free throws yeah. from Lowry. That's right. No, I don't. Rem- you know, I remember Ibaka hitting a a, a shot, a yeah. pedestrian shot. They looked they, desperate towards the yeah, end. Yeah, and they, they just desperate. they didn't really know where to turn. Yeah. Uh, but okay, let me let me ask this, and I and I'll say because I'm hearing what both of you guys are saying. If Pascal gets it together, are you guys saying he's still a number two pick? Is that because this is what I'm getting that he's he's not going to be your, your I main can never, guy? I can never. I cannot look at him and say. Oh, Which yeah, is fine, one of, and it's fine. one of the one of the gr- basketball greats in the even in the modern day pantheon of players. I mean, we're, we're talking about Denver and Utah. I mean, if you were starting a franchise right off the bat, you're taking Jamal Murray, Nikola Jokic, Donovan Mitchell before you take Pascal Siakam. That mm-hmm. is not mm-hmm. hate mm-hmm. on Pascal Siakam. He is an no, if awesome anything, that's player. That's a credit to his work ethic. Absolutely, but I think he's we're all—he can't lead. He—he's not your number one on a no. championship team. But I think we're all basketball minds right here, so we understand that. But to the average fan who quantify get yeah, his paycheck, they see right. him get that paycheck. They right. quantify it. Yeah, quant- quantify uh, that paycheck by the by. He earned that in, in the regular season. He was he earned it, and I always say the money has to go somewhere, right? If it's there, somebody somebody has to get it, right? But I don't expect him to be a number one pick. Uh, no, your number one your option, number one and, and again, yeah. I don't even think he's your number two option. I think he's best at uh, three. You know, your steady three, hmm. uh, and and that that's just where I see him. Okay, yeah. it, it. I mean, right now it looks like Van Vliet is their number one option. And again, I feel like he's on a lot of people's radar right now. <laughs> yeah, he definitely <laughs> yeah. is, and I love that kid. Like he's a gr- we 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 talk about this every week. Great guy, Stand-up great guy. player, yep. gets better and better. But I mean. If he's your number one scorer, I, I'm sorry, you're not winning the NBA championship. They, sorry, sorry, they need to I, figure I, it out. I have to throw a wrench into this, and I Good. don't want to be sacrilegious, but Nick Nurse <laughs> got out coached by Brad Stevens. He switched up his defense. He's got smart on Siakam. They're the they're roving out, blocking off Van Fleet and blocking off Lowry on every defensive mm. possession. Half court, we look stunted. Sorry, I shouldn't say we. <laughs> Raptors look stunted. What so, do you guys think? Did he did he get out out coached? To be fair, to be fair, the Raptors switch up defenses quite frequently. I'd say that's one of their strengths. That's strength, and yeah. and and that's one of the things that a lot of opposing NBA coaches talk about is they're difficult to figure out. Um, you know, could it could he have been out coached for the game? Sure. I think that his his resume is is 
you know, on par, if not exceeding Brad Stevens. Um, but I think that he's he's, he's going to turn this around. I have faith in Nick Nurse and, and what he does for this organization. Um, and there's no doubt that his players trust in him too. And they're going to play their ass off for him, for sure. We're forgetting the fact that Boston's probably the more talented team right now. Talented so I think we, sure. we have to take that into yeah. account as yeah. well. You know, Raptors come into this as favor because they, they've just come off a, a championship. Mm-hmm. But this is Boston Celtics team's not a shabby they're no team. Joke. Yeah. They're not a shabby they're team. No joke. These are guys, that, and, and they've been together for some time, so there's also some chemistry that yeah. goes there at, to go along with their talent level. For sure. And, and we talked about the coaching matchup with, with uh, assistant coach of the Celtics, Scott Morrison, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. on our last podcast. You know, the, uh, I've seen advantages for Nick Nurse in almost every uh, series he's coached in this season and last year. Um, I do think he's met his match. He's up against it right I'm now, not saying sure. Stevens is miles ahead of Nick Nurse, right. but at worst, I do think it's it's pretty evenly matched. It's a toss up I think yeah. Mr. Producer Wonger over here <laughs> might have <laughs> brought something call, up that we, yeah. we didn't even get to. And yeah. I, I do think Stevens is, is pushing some buttons in his team. Mm-hmm. Remember also, they are really hungry to prove something because two years ago, they pushed Cleveland to a Game 7 uh, lost to LeBron in that game seven, and they kind of choked in the fourth quarter. <laughs> and then they bring in Kyrie Irving, and he's gonna he's the one to bring them to what the promised land, show. but that uh, was a step back. Yeah. Tatum took a step back. Marcus Smart took a step back. They are the ones kind of like the Raptors last year who really have something to prove. Um, let's, let's move on from here. We'll see what happens uh, in game three of that series. Um, one series that, to me, has just been feisty and chippy from the get-go um, is Houston and Oklahoma City. Those are those are two teams who just simply and clearly do not like each other. I think that's kind of um, foreshadowed all the NBA playoffs that uh, even without people there, I think we've seen a lot of intensity in these games. Mm-hmm. And here's where I want to go back to both of your experiences playing in Europe, playing in, in college basketball. Um, l- 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 give me a sampling of what it's like playing in Europe at the highest levels in the games that are going to determine championships. You know, is there is there something similar to the intensity of the way these games are played? I think Dude, I would say I would go out on a limb to say that a regular season game exactly, is playoff basketball yes, yes, really? in the states. Yep. Yes, yep. and I've, not to mention that the gyms are infinitely smaller. With the exception of one or two teams who have the big budgets in the league, your Milano, your Fenerbahce, Real Madrid, mm-hmm. they all have pro arenas, okay? But if you're going to play, let's say you're going to play, uh, uh, you know, a, 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 an average team in Turkey, an average team in Spain, these gyms are max capacity, three, 4,000 people, and they bring the drums. Yeah. They meet outside, they get hammered before the games, <laughs> and they are nonstop. All game, you leave the gym with your ears ringing every single game. Bro, I've had I've had games where the fans had to have been cleared out before the oh, game yeah, even started yeah. because they've gotten to yeah. brawls. Like opposing teams yeah. have come. What was the last one that happened was when I was playing in Shalana. We had a cup game against Pauk, I believe it was okay. out of Greece. Um, and yeah, before that, we you know did our warm up. Came out the second time to to start the game, mm-hmm. and I guess one of the Greek fans ran over to. To our fans and grabbed our flag out of that their hand. That doesn't surprise me. Yeah. Their brawl, yeah. boom, boom, fired up. I see, you know, fists, blood flying everywhere. They had to pause the game, you know, cleared out that section. I just remember our security grabbing one of the one of the Greek fans uh. that was in the brawl, took him outside, and 
pounding. <laughs> just gave it to him. And then I turned They're to, waiting we for turned that to the president they, and he's yeah. like, they're taking care of. <laughs> but yeah, like this intensity that you oh, see in the, in the NBA playoffs is a regular season game in Europe. And yeah. I, I oh, think. yeah. Yeah. So it's. Go ahead. Is, is there a team in Europe who to this day you still hate that you played against? Question for both of you. Yes. Yeah. Who? I'm never a fan. Is it like from a, a team in Turkey or so where? F- so for me personally, it, it, the team in Turkey, which I spent the majority of my professional careers playing, which was four years, was Fenerbahce. And I, I don't know if, you know, the general public knows about Jarko Obradovic, but he's one of the most famous coaches worldwide. You know, he's got, you know, 100 European championships and EuroLeague titles. And this guy knows his stuff. But you go into that arena, you know, Fenerbahce is like the cream of the crop. You know, they got a, what is it, 30 million euro yeah. budget. Yeah. You know, so, you know, their arena's NBA style. And, you know, you're 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 coming in there with on a team that, you know, has an 8 million euro budget. <laughs> and you're trying to compete <laughs> trying against to compete. these guys who have, you know, a roster full of ex-NBA guys, you know, the top European players, and the fans bring it. They bring it every single night. Um, and, and, and it's tough to compete in those environments, but it brings out the best in you. And, you know, when you go to your home court and you play against them, you know, you got the whole town in your gym. Mm-hmm. And and that's the best part. Those are the most electrifying atmospheres. Um, I would say, you know, that I don't hate them, but I appreciate them for, for bringing me up to a certain level. And just to play in that atmosphere is, is I wouldn't trade that for any experience I've had in the NBA for sure. I think so, some of the NBA, some of the NBA fans should be familiar with that team or even some of Raptors fans. Yeah. Maurizio Garadini, Mr. Garadini, yep. who is, you know, the president. No, he's yeah, not I president. He's actually the GM. Mauricio. Yeah. Yeah. Mauricio he's the GM Yeah. He's the uh, Fenerbahce GM. And he was for the Raptors here. I believe he was assistant GM or, right. or something of that capacity. Here. Right. So not yeah, to mention he was working with Canada basketball as well. Yeah. And you know what? He's brought a, a lot of Canadian guys over there as well. I think that this year they signed Deshaun Pierre. Anthony um, Bennett was there Anthony previously. Anthony Bennett was there. Yep. They had Tyler Ennis there for a minute last year. Yeah, that's year, right. So, um, shout out Marissa for getting some guys yep. over there. Yep. But they, they beat up on AR. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they tried to. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Nice. Okay, back to uh, back to NBA and back to the East. Boy, uh, Miami Heat look good. Ooh, look they? really scary. Yeah. yeah. I think uh, I I think I tweeted this the other night. The Milwaukee Bucks already look like deer in the headlights. Yeah. No pun intended. Um, Jimmy Butler looks like he is having the time of his life. It's interesting that he's. Finally, it looks like he's finally on the right team. It's not his niche, man. There's, sure. there's something about him being there. You know, the things that you used to hear about him in, in other locker rooms, mm-hmm. Minnesota with Wiggins and Katz, mm-hmm. Philadelphia with Embiid and Simmons, where it's just like mm-hmm. it was, you know, oil and water. And now here he is with Miami, uh, this, you know, put on your hard hat mentality, mm-hmm. going to the game every day. That team loves each other, and they are so scary. What is it that fits him in so well with this team that they look like they could get to the finals? 
I think finally there's some synergy for him from Pat Riley to Spolstra to to um, Butler himself to match the intensity that he brings. Right, I've always heard that he's he's a strange character, but finally, um, you know, those guys are all on board. And I've always heard. I don't know if you worked out for Miami when you were coming out of school too. Yeah, yeah, I was going to look to that. Yeah, that was one of the toughest workouts. Yep. Like they've set that bar. They've set that standard. That culture of mm-hmm. you know toughness, work, hard work ethic. And even some guys that go there, I know James, James Johnson was a guy that was over there, and you know he had one of his better seasons going there because he went over there and it was a whole different culture. He shed like 20 pounds. And Spo understood him too, yeah. just like he understands. So him. there's a balance. Like mm-hmm. you, you get what you put in, and right. also there's no, it's a no-nonsense. Pat Riley's no-nonsense. Sure. It's we're doing things this way. That was the scariest pre-draft interview of my life. <laughs> yeah. He sat there like the Sopranos, man. It was just one true. light on me, and it was Pat Riley and all his henchmen behind him. And I, I was stuttering for words, man. It yeah. was intimidating. It was intimidating. But I was going to allude to that. Uh, I was with Chicago uh, for, for Summer League, and I was going to work out at the Deerfield facility while Jimmy was still there. Um, I tried to get there early. I think I was there by like 6.30 every morning before practice started at 9.30 or 10. And Jimmy would be leaving the gym as I was getting there. I mean, full sweat. This guy is committed. And he's, he's, he's a worker. And I think that that is – just like you said, Miami was one of the hardest workouts in pre-draft. Um, everybody feared that workout on their list. I left that workout with blisters in my feet, massive <laughs> yeah. blisters, no lies. Uh, you're doing full court one-on-one. You know, you're playing three-on-three full court. Uh, you know, it's pretty much primarily all defensive drills. And that's what Jimmy prides himself on is, is working hard and, and getting things done on the defensive end. And I think you have problems with guys like Cat, with guys like Joel Embiid, who really didn't put basketball first. Is, at the end of the at the end of the which day, which is that's also conflicting because he's been on teams where he's a he's the alpha male, but then there's guys that have a payday, that's you know a, a pay grade ahead of his, ahead yeah, of his or yeah. pay grade or two that are ahead of who his, haven't so who he deems that they haven't really earned they it. They haven't really earned right. it. So there's one the chip on the shoulder, two the guys that he's been on teams where guys you know they've built a team around those guys mm-hmm. and they just didn't match his level of intensity. Mm-hmm. So now it's like okay, yeah, from the head on up, guys are in line, and then the guys that he's on the court with are falling into mm-hmm. line and, mm-hmm. and allowing him to be the catalyst and just lead his team. And I think he got that work ethic from, from being at Marquette. Mm-hmm. Marquette oh. is a, Marquette has Hell Week. I don't know if it, like yeah. you guys have heard about that. Buzz, it's just Buzz, one, a nut, Buzz is a nutball. Buzz is a nut. <laughs> yeah, man. Buzz yeah. is a nutball. Yeah, he's, so. he's militant style, but he's one of those guys like Coach Malone that, that loves his players and he gets them to work yeah. for him too. But yep. there's no doubt that Jimmy has like a hard hard work in his it's resume. Yeah, you mentioned that. Yeah, yeah. So Did right. Junior Cadugan play for Junior Coach Junior Peterson? Junior played there too, yep. yeah. Okay, well, we might, we might have to get him in. Yes, he sir. is tough as well. JR. Yes. Uh, yeah, okay. Okay, good. Well, I mean, Jimmy Butler looks like the best player in the East right now. Mm-hmm. That's that's what he looks to me, or he, the most dominant and the one, the, the player who can put his team on his back and, and take them places, which makes me wonder about Giannis. It, the Bucks, an amazing regular season team, but if they don't get out of this round, there's really going to – we talk about uh, Malone possibly being on the hot seat. You know, if Milwaukee doesn't get to the finals this year, Bud's on the hot seat in a big way. Do you see them – do you see any way that they're a team as currently constructed that can get to the finals? I don't, I don't, I don't have confidence in them right no. now. I heard rumblings about Giannis maybe making a move to Miami. Yeah. If they don't – if they, yeah, yeah. I'm not a fan of Milwaukee. I'm not a fan of um, Giannis either. I'm not a fan. Of, I shouldn't say him, but his game. It's it's too limited for me. I mean, he's you know he's he puts long. up the numbers. But he puts up the numbers, but there's only so far numbers can get you right. And then with him, I think he's a guy where teams can just scout. Let him let 
him go for his 30, right. eight, and right. nine. And We've done that plenty of times against teams in yeah. Europe, too. And just, just make sure nobody else yeah. gets a, a touchdown. Well, like, like look look at the number two guy there. It's Middleton. Yep. Who would you, would you take? Would you take Siakam or Middleton? In, yeah. uh, Man, I, th- I can jump <laughs> in right now and do a Middleton, though. I'm taking so. Siakam. <laughs> 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 okay. Uh, okay. Okay, how about uh, back to the West? Um, Denver... Denver's got a lot of talent, but I wonder if my dream scenario for a West Coast West Finals is setting up, and that's LA versus LA, which will be crushing that it won't be played in LA. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but it will still, even in Borlando, still have a Hollywood feel to it. But <laughs> you know, we're not there yet. But that's why I want to ask now: Is it inevitable? Are they on a collision course? This year for the Clippers, Lakers, Kawhi, LeBron, is it going to happen in the West? If Paul George gets himself together. Yeah. Yeah, I would agree with that. If PG can get it together. But at the same time, I don't really believe in, in OKC's personnel, and I don't believe in, in Houston's style of play. I don't think it can advance them past that past the uh, the second round. How about Denver? Can Denver be? But Denver Clippers? might be burned out. You know, Denver yeah. Denver just had a really tough series with Utah. They bit, got by by the skin of their teeth. You know, did they have the depth to compete? You know, it's going to be tough, especially against dogs like like L.A. So I think it's inevitable, but it's going to be interesting getting there first. So, well, and like, again, I'm poking fun at PG, but yeah, all this is dependent on him. Yeah. Really. Everybody's going at PG. PG, PG <laughs> I think he's, did I think step he's up and it, have though. a great game yeah. when, when it was on the line. I can't remember if it was game five or six, but yeah, yeah, yeah. he showed up after three three really bad games in a row yeah. and you know the Clippers got what they needed they finished that series in yeah. six got a couple extra days yeah. which which is good for Kawhi um, I, I do think uh, I think it's going to be LA LA you know last week when we were we were here chatting the the protest started um, and I was amazed I think we all were in the moment to, to actually see that that happened in real time um, a week has gone by and we've seen how the league has reacted, how the world reacted to what they did. Are are you are you happy with with how the NBA and its players handled the events? Um, are you even maybe a little proud? Because I am. You know what I am, but at the same time, it's a gift in the curse. It's tough. It's a tough situation because I, ideally I would have wanted them to see them sit out a little longer or even just... If you're going to make that stance. If right? you're going to make that stance. Yeah. If you're going to take that stance and really force the hands because what... Okay, a message has been sent, but what's really been done, mm-hmm. right? Like action action speaks louder than but the But if word. they stayed out mu- really much longer, the whole season was going to get canceled. So that's what I mean. Okay. I mean, you can't keep the people yeah. there in the bubble alone right. much longer, no? Right. All right, then, then we cancel. Then you cancel. Wow, really? You send a message to you know, for make some change. Like we need something done. But it's gonna hurt. It's gonna hurt owners. It's gonna hurt but the NBA. No, but that's perfect because those are the guys that have the political reach mm-hmm. that you want to speak up. Like you mm-hmm. want to understand because outside of this, until their pockets are hurt or their pockets are affected, mm-hmm. they don't really care or they don't really concern or they don't take any time to really understand what's going on because it doesn't really affect them mm-hmm. as much. So once now it becomes when, a deeply personal once, issue, exactly. Right. So mm-hmm. now, but again, like playing devil's advocate on at the same time you can't really put the onus on the players per se because there are some you know it the nba is 80 percent black 75 percent black mm-hmm. 
you can't put the onus on on these guys to be speaking out and saying what they want for change when they've been saying that for the last 400 years with mm-hmm. their grandfathers, their mm-hmm. you know their ancestry and so forth. You need some other guys to speak up now and and, and come solidarity from mm-hmm. these owners, from you know other ethnicities, other mm-hmm. colors, and so people forth. who haven't experienced the things that the players have. But, but exactly. Chap, if, if you if you called off the season at that point or, or sit out longer. Yeah, the owners are going to have to pay a price, the advertisers, the networks. But so are the players. Your visibility and, disappears as well. Th- eh? And that, that happens too. You, right. you lose a chance to keep making that message. And I actually think it was Michael Jordan who, who made that point. Mm-hmm. And there, there was an article that... Michael Jordan's it, owner, uh, owner. He's thinking money oh too. Yeah. Like there's two sides for him. That's, that's true. So he has, that's to find he has to find the perfect balance yeah. in his situation. Shep's picking another fight. <laughs> Charlotte Hornets you online. <laughs> you don't want those problems with Jordan. You know, I, don't want, I don't want no smoke, Jay. <laughs> yeah. But, but it, at the same time, the, this was. there's no way Jordan just came out and said... What are you guys doing? Get on the court. Right. By no. all accounts, he understood where they were coming from. And I think he would have been the first one. If the players had made the decision, he would have supported it, mm-hmm. which is huge in light of the world recently relearning mm-hmm. that it's not really Jordan's style to engage in politics. Mm-hmm. It, mm-hmm. It's not. But And again, that's why I say you can't put all the onus on the players because, again, this is these guys have their lives as well, right? Like, they have families to feed and so forth. And, you know, the general public can look at it and say, oh, these guys make enough money to, to last and make the sacrifice for mm-hmm. everybody. But the reality is, like, they live a certain lifestyle. Mm-hmm. A lot of them, I'm, I don't know how their pockets are, but because they live a certain lifestyle. They a lot of guys it, need that money. They need sure. that money yeah. as well, right? It's, it's no different than us when we get our payday. Like you ha- Everything's accounted for. Mm-hmm. So you, you can't really, uh, again, you can't put it all on them. They've been saying they've, you know, they've been kneeling, they've been protesting, mm-hmm. they've been sending messages. Mm-hmm. Nothing's changed. So now it's not a matter of them speaking; it's a matter of everybody right. acting. I th- I think they did the right thing, though. I, I think that the MBPA vetted it out really well, headed by guys like LeBron and Chris Paul, and and the fact that LeBron even reached out to Obama, mm-hmm. you know, f- for advice on you know what the next steps were to take. And you're not going to be led in the wrong direction by Sir Barack Obama. Mm-hmm. So I, I firmly believe that they're doing all the right things. I believe that to have the visibility, you know, for for a longer amount of time behooves everybody in the league and to get their point and their stance across and visibly see change as you go. Mm-hmm. And and hopefully that's the direction that they're going in, you know, while maintaining the ability to still have an income mm-hmm. and, and still, you know, uh, do what do what you love. And and that's fair. I you know, I completely agree with that as well. Uh, yeah, I completely agree with that wholeheartedly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good. Okay. Good. It's nice. We actually agree on this hey. one. <laughs> We're a little feisty yeah. uh, today. <laughs> one more. Uh, one more basketball story. You know, it's not the playoffs. It's not about the protests. But it, it's kind of the the business side of basketball and kind of that meat and potatoes, nitty gritty. And I think to me, it's interesting to speculate as to who's going to be the new head coach of the Chicago Bulls. Mm. You know, what one of the uh, Best known franchises in the league now for a long time since the Jordan years in the in back in the nineteen eighties. Mm-hmm. Um, Mark Eversley, who's out of Toronto, is I believe the vice president and general manager there. Or, mm-hmm. um, and I, I I won't even try to attempt to say the Lithuanian guy's name. Oh man! Um, but he can can you even? I'm Lithuanian. And I can't do it. Yeah. So it, it's it's not one of the easier ones. But Karnasovas. <laughs> do it with your Italian accent. Karnasovas. <laughs> <laughs> 
they, they have a big job there. The Bulls, you know, the league needs the Bulls to be good. Yeah. Um, who? There was a report that they're talking to some coaches who aren't in the playoffs, but they're talking to some assistant coaches mm-hmm. who are still working right now um, in the playoffs. Who do you think would be um, a good name or the right fit for the Bulls? Andy, you go first. So uh, Kenny Atkinson's my guy. He was he was one of my assistant coaches when I was a rookie in New York, and and I can speak on his his work ethic because I saw it firsthand. I mean, this guy. I was one of the first ones in the gym, or so I thought. But he'd be there before me, you know, without a basketball, just doing footwork, getting ready to work guys out. And I think that, you know, that tireless work ethic and that preparation led him to the job in Brooklyn, which I think he was unfairly let go. Agreed. Because, you know, he got that team in a really dark spot to to the playoffs and he had D'Lo playing his best basketball. You know, you guys, you got guys coming in like like Kyrie, you know, all of a sudden it's a problem. And I think that's pertaining to the individuals that they had, not not his coaching experience. So I, I'm a huge Kenny Atkinson fan. I believe he's got what it takes to get the job done there. You know, it's a big market team. So do you want to go with an assistant coach? I'm not so sure. Who, who hasn't had that, you know, head coach experience. But if there well, was one. Well, did it with Boylan. It didn't really Boylan, work. Boylan. Oh, my God. What a nightmare. <laughs> it just frustrated me to see him there. Um, but David Bannerpool, I developed a relationship with him when I was in OKC for preseason. Um and he's another one of those guys that has that tireless work ethic, but he's able to relate to players. You know, like I felt like he was one of my best friends after hanging out with him for two weeks. And that's that Mikey Malone feel. Yeah. Um, you know, he spent some time in Portland and, and the guys sing his praises there. So I think he could be a good fit for them as well. Um, and at the end of the day, I would love to see my agent Austin Brown as the GM of the Chicago Bulls. I'm just putting that oh. out there right now. Mr. <laughs> Forbes, 30 under 30. Hired. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's my guy. You know, he's, he's, the, the most well-versed guy I know, one of my best friends in the world, and if he had that opportunity being a Chicago kid, you know, for kids to look up to and see that that's the, that's the benchmark, I think that he would do a fantastic job, not only with his personal skills, but his, his knowledge of basketball, and you know, I'm just, I'm giving him a personal plug. Shout out to Austin Brown. <laughs> CAA. I think, okay, you bring us, bring us <laughs> home. Emi Odoka, who was an assistant um, with Philly. Okay, He's yeah. been an assistant yeah. in Philly. He's Did he start in San Antonio? He started in San Antonio. Assistant? So you yeah. know that yeah. Greg Popovich has, has, some, has yep. some juice around the league. Yeah, so I yeah. think, you know, you having somebody like that in your in your back pocket, in your yeah. corner, being your mentor, your support. Assistants from San Antonio are like yeah, those guys. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So for a guy like that, I think it would be a great opportunity. And I think with the Chicago Bulls, you have a young team, right? Mm-hmm. You need Now you need guys that are going to be relatable to – your players exactly. in order to develop them and guys that you're bringing in and so forth. So I think based on his experience, like obviously he doesn't have any head coaching experience, but from, you know, being mentored by, by pop, mm-hmm. you know, being on putting together what was you know, one of the more talented Philadelphia teams. Mm-hmm. I don't know what's happened mm-hmm. to them recently as far as the development goes, but um, you know, being a part of that. And I think also the relationship, I would assume there's a relationship with Mark Eversley, who was also part of that, the whole Philadelphia okay. um, management. So, okay. You know, just those connections there, I think he he would be somebody I would like to see um, in that position as well. I, I'm, and could be my bias. There's limited black coaches in the NBA uh-huh. or across in professional sports, period. So given everything that, you know, social justice and equal opportunity and, and so forth right now, maybe that's maybe that's where I want to see, you know, For sure. that space and just give him 
an opportunity to, to show and prove as well. Agree I with mean, you. I think these two sound like general managers right here with, the, hey, with their knowledge of this the the next step. <laughs> potential coaches. From gym so. rats and joints <laughs> to the <laughs> NBA. That's, right. Right? that's the plan. That's the goal, man. That's the plan. In fact, I think that's a future topic. Would Absolutely. you rather be a general manager than a coach? So um, we're going to wrap it up here. Uh, everybody continue to enjoy the NBA playoffs. I think they are having a really successful time at it, and it's a, a playoff that none of us will ever forget. Thank you to all our listeners, producer Dan Wong, and that's going to wrap up episode six of Jim Rats and Joints, and we are going to be right back here next week. Thanks for listening. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus. Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.